MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN Final Countdown with Stormy Bonatoni and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a Friday edition of Final Countdown. The reason I can't hear producer Steph, she's not talking into my ear. That's why I'm like, I don't hear you. And it's because she's not talking into my ear. Right. Matt Brown is Jonathan Von Tobel and producer Steph behind the glass, real person. Promise you, uh, Stormy, on your television right now, just not on this television. If you want to watch her, you can uh, flip it over I can to do a Stormy impression. What's this, ESPN or ESPN2? Which one is this? Uh, ESPN. It's big the big ESPN. Yeah. The big ESPN. Uh, you've got that channel for sure, uh, unless you have like the worst cable package ever. So flip on over there if you want to take a look at uh, Stormy doing her thing. It is currently nine to nothing in favor of UTSA with about 10 minutes left in the second quarter. I'm going to assume you didn't. You didn't play this game. Uh, no, but people are didn't saying do. this is the best bowl game. Uh, That's what I heard. You know, I also as well, too, heard this. Is that a vulture? What is that? They're showing know. the Cure Bowl trophy. Hey. Which, we're like, come on. It's not uh, a warthog. Next to a body a viper. Of That's for sure. <laughs> viper and the Warthog Fridays here on uh, on VEASAN. Listen, we're going to run through every single game for the week. We will have Mike Pritchard here in studio as well, too, to talk about what he likes this week. But uh, let's talk a little bit about Thursday night. Uh, look, we came in and I thought I was going to have to like eat my words where I was like, we're not going to walk in here and say that Brock, Brock Purdy just lit everything up. And then that's the reason why the 49ers won. And that we were well on, on the way to that being the case, but it, you know, he cooled down a little bit and, uh, that really wasn't the reason that they won the game. Right. But if you do look eight point victory for the 49ers, 21 to 13, you take a look, Purdy was efficient, but as we said, that 224 that his passing total had gotten up to, we were like, eh, 
mm-hmm. you know, even if he's efficient, it probably keeps it close to the line, probably a little bit too much. And, of course, uh, we didn't officially play any of that stuff, but it did go under. Uh, Adam Levitan joined us for Christian McCaffrey receptions, which was home in like four, four right. like yeah. in like four minutes of the game. Uh, McCaffrey gets over on all of that. Uh, Seahawks playoff hopes really, really dim now. 49ers lock up the division. Seahawks fall to seven and seven. Did you take away anything from this game that you feel like over the last three betting weeks that we have here that you will? maybe put into play or not so much? Uh, not really. I don't mm-hmm. think like Brock Purdy is who we kind of thought he was. Like you mentioned it, yeah. uh, the interception that should have been, well, was not uh, outside of that played relatively well. Kyle Shanahan's a genius. And so schemed up an offense around him that looked really solid uh, despite only getting 21 points in this game. Uh, look, it looked like a Thursday night game between two divisional opponents. Kind of mm-hmm. like we talked about, right? Teams that are somewhat familiar with one another, two guys in terms of quarterbacks that are playing at a suboptimal level for the most part. Purdy again had a solid game, but Geno Smith was not really that great. Uh, and neither was this offense for the Seattle Seahawks. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a boring game, but I'll say this. Like, I think one of the things that does stick out as we kind of move forward here. You know, Geno Smith for a stretch, Matt, if you go at the beginning of the season and, and onward, mm-hmm. had gotten super aggressive. And actually, his average up to target for the year is actually solid, right? It's at 8.1. Yeah. I don't know what that was against San Francisco. He was he he only had an average up to target of 4.4 yards. It was a super bland-looking attack. They weren't really aggressive. And I, you just it just kind of worries you about what Geno Smith and the Seahawks team is going to be moving forward because they were not great at all offensively, and there was no explosiveness. Yeah, and I, you know... <laughs> I'm watching this team, and I think that we were never. And you, you've been in here on most most Fridays with me, and most most of the time we were sitting here previewing the Seahawks, and we were kind of like, "Hey, look, I think we could be wrong about the team overall being one of the worst teams in the league entering the season, while also saying that probably they're not near as good as we are as we were trying to make them right. out to be." And, and that ended up being the case here. Now, if we look at the playoff picture, Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, Bucks, of course, by default would be your top four seeds as they currently lead their divisions. Then we have the Cowboys, Commanders, Giants, which may or may not hold. Seahawks, Lions, Packers, and Panthers are the teams that are looking in right now. A plus 275 on a make for the Lions. And, of course, we'll get to that game a little bit later when we start talking. But that is at least interesting to me. If you look at the Lions Mm -hmm. finishing games, if you look at their schedule here, it is not very intimidating for a team that has been moving the ball pretty well. And I think as long as they can continue to do what they're doing on the offensive side, it's at least pretty interesting. So I, I don't know the plus two seventy five on the lions is something I was and actually it was three twenty five at a couple of books this morning was at least something I was fairly interested in. Uh, yeah. I, I, I guess if you're going to poke holes in it, you know, we've talked about how well the lions have played at home offensively. Yeah. Uh, three of their last four games are on the road. And uh, they are against some opponents that would be, I think, relatively challenging when we're talking about the Jets, the Panthers, and the Packers, especially two of those being some top-half defenses that might be able to contain what this offense has done pretty well. But, like, if we're talking about just current form and the way that they're playing, I mean, out of all of these teams, who would you really rather look at in terms of a positive end to a season with just four games left? It would be the line. Because you kind of look and, like, I think, and again, we'll preview all these games. It seems like the Giants are probably heading towards a loss this week. If you look at yep. the if you look at the trajectory of the Seahawks, certainly not something that we like a ton. The Panthers are only getting in if they happen to win the division. That's not going. You know, they're not getting in as a wild card. And I don't think either of us take the the Packers seriously either. So, I mean, 
for that final spot, if I had to pick one of the three, either Giants, Seahawks, or Lions, I'd probably pick the Lions. Yeah, well, to... and, like the Seahawks schedule is brutal for them, yeah. too. Like their last three games, we're talking Chiefs, Jets, and Rams. And again, the Rams might not be that great of an opponent on paper, but still, it's mm-hmm. a divisional game at the end of a season. And uh, who knows exactly what it's going to be like for them. Like that's. That's a really tough schedule. And I was like looking at the Packers because I actually wanted to try to make the case for yeah. Green Bay, but they're scheduled too. It's a bunch of coin flip spots at best. And what right. are you going to do with a team that, you know, at some point, right? And we're only at four games left. Mm-hmm. You got to go, this is what the Packers are. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to think that they're going to rip off three out of four uh, against the Rams, Dolphins, Vikings, and Lions. So then we take a look uh, last night, big debate on the, you know, on the Twitter machine. And I, ju- I do want to explain this, and this is more sports talk radio than even betting, uh, betting stuff about why you should have, from Pete Carroll's standpoint, gone for the two-point conversion as opposed to kick the field goal. And, like, mm-hmm. this was a, a hot topic last night. A lot of people who were sitting there going, like, no, there's no way you do that. You have to have a two-point conversion regardless. And people go, yeah, but if you miss, then it's nine points. And, and whatever. that's actually beneficial to you because then you have the information and you know what you need to do as a team in an offense moving forward. I try to put this, like, if you've ever played poker – if you sat at a poker table, the best spot to sit is on the button mm-hmm. because you get to see what everybody else is doing by the time the action comes around to you. You have gathered the most amount of information, and then you act accordingly, which is why it makes it the most beneficial spot at a poker table. It's the same thing as this. Like You want the information as soon as humanly possible. You want to be able to take yeah. that information and then dictate how you need to play moving forward. So it doesn't matter if you get down – Nine points. You'd rather get down nine points with a bunch of time left on the clock so you know you have to play like with your hairs on fire than have the game go all the way down to the final seconds and then you miss the two-point conversion and then the game's over. You have zero chance then at that point. Well, I don't understand why this is a concept that seems so controversial. Because what if they don't get it, Matt? <laughs> like, that's always, that's always the response. Look, I'm, I'm always in, on this side. I've never really understood. Like, you want more time to make up for the lack of if you don't get yes, it. More at, information. To your point. Exactly. To your point. And more time to take yeah. care of that yeah. new information as opposed to what you're talking about, what everybody else is talking about, which is, no, you put it off until necessary. Like, it's necessary. <laughs> it's it's always, necessary it's One right way now. or another, it's <laughs> necessary. Like, <laughs> no, right. I, I, I've never understood. I've never understood <laughs> Why people don't get it. Like, I, I would, I guess I'd have more, respect's not really the term, but I would kind of, under, if you're like, I understand it, but I don't want to do it. I will, I kind of will follow you there. But for people to just go, no, no, you can't, nerds. You can't do it right yeah. there. Like, why? Yes. Why? It's, it, again, it is, uh, the best way I could put it, if you if you are any sort of gambler that ever played poker before, the, it, it's, it is the reason you want to be on the button, the reason you want to act last is because you gain the most amount of information and you take that information and then you figure out how you want to act right. accordingly. So if you have the information that you're down nine with a bunch of time left on the clock, you know you still need two possessions. Right. Like, you know that you ha- still have to get two possessions in this game, so you need to go really, really fast. You need to really get the ball back. And honestly, the reason you want to go down nine with a bunch of time left on the clock too, is from a psychological standpoint from your opponent, they're, they're less likely to be aggressive mm-hmm. because they think that you need two possessions and they think that you need to get the ball back twice to but score. Matt, if you go for it and you don't get it, then your <laughs> team's going to be out, your, your team's going to be out of it. Then you're down nine. I know. I just uh, mentally man, they'll, they'll this, be upset and they won't be, they won't want to fight. This was, this was something last night that it, this was all over Twitter. People Going like, no, of course not. You just kick the can down the road. And I'm like, no, you're, you're lessening your win percentage sure. probability by kicking the can down the road. That's just not 
how this works. Also, the out, mini but... the mini situation that you and I were talking about is uh, I don't know why the Seahawks defender didn't push uh, what's his face into the end zone on the breakaway run, and also I don't know why again I can't remember what's his face did not slide. Yes, the second he broke through the first, I know. Down. It was incredible. I know it. It really is. You look at that, and again, it was a it was a big play. For, from a game standpoint, right. right? I mean, like there were people who were watching that and, and were, you know, praying at that point. If you had, you know, if you had Seahawks, you were, at least if, if they let the 49ers score there, you have a 1% chance of getting the cover as opposed to the 0% chance right. whenever, uh, whenever they can just kneel the ball out and, and that's how the game's going to end. So, and it was just, it was interesting. I don't like to point to one single play in a game where it feels like it was, that was when the game was going to be over, but that Homer fumble was kind of the, you know, like it's, they had yeah. the ball, they, you know, it was, they kind of held the 49ers offense at bay. And like, it looked like we were probably heading to halftime at seven to three and, you know, like, okay, decent half there for the Seattle Seahawks. And then the, the fumble, then they get the touchdown right there before the end of the half. And I, to me, that felt like a pretty big turning point in the game. And and at that point, that's when I was like, yeah, I don't think Seattle's going to come back. Yeah, no, well, and because it's it's a whole bunch of situations. Then you give up the touchdown right at the right at the tar- start of the first half or second half mm-hmm. too. So it's kind of like one of those bad sandwiches you get in terms of giving up the score right before the half and then giving it right when you come back. Yeah, it's just uh, super interesting and. Uh, we will continue to update you guys on the bowl game that is going on 12 to nothing now. Yep. So uh, 12 to nothing in that game. Uh, by the way, continue. really nice sight lines for these kickers because holy smokes, <laughs> there is a, not a soul. In not those a, bleachers, not, not a ton of people yeah. there. Uh, we are producer Steph's on the under 57 looking good. 12 to nothing uh, here as we had to have like, a curse pretty you? good one. We are going to continue. I think you got it, Steph. <laughs> I think you might be. You want to go ahead and just like give her the early cash of the good ticket? Bet, man. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, we're going to run through each and every one of the games. Give us, give you our thoughts. It is a Viper and the Warthog Friday here on VSEN. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN's Final Countdown with Stormy Bonatoni and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Fall sports room full swing and Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook is your home for all the latest lines, odds, and boosts. Whether you're a soccer, football, hockey, or basketball fan, even a hockey fan, uh, Bet Rivers has you covered. Join now for new promotions like Tuesday Hockey First Goal Insurance, Sunday Football Parlay Insurance, and more. And Bet Rivers is calling all soccer fans to head to betrivers.com to check out our World Cup Daily Bet and get. It's a whole new game. This read is going to get retired because there's only one game left. That's right. Yeah, so this read's getting Argentina retired. Argentina on the verge yes. of the uh, World Cup. Reed is getting retired. R.I.P. Reed. We're not going to read that one again. That one's done. Uh, all right, so we are not going to go out of order, but I do want to give you some breaking news here. Russell Wilson officially out. We talked about this yesterday, JVT, that everybody, even though we know things, it's the, the movement doesn't happen until things are officially official. And right. then so here it is. You could have gotten three this morning. On the Cardinals, it sat there. I looked at it this morning. I didn't do it. And now it is officially official. It's going to be Brett Rippon. The threes are gone. It is all the way down to a point and a half. It's down to one. It's down to one at one of the other major books out there. So all value is now uh, deceased in this game. So it will be a, I don't even know if I'm going to, 
put this one on the TVs. I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't oh, think it's worth it. I don't it. think there's any reason to yeah. put yourself through that. Yeah, I don't think it's worth it. I think this will just be one of those. It's not even like that. what was it? Was it the Saints Broncos game where they were starting like the uh, you know the running back or whatever it was a quarterback like in the COVID year? That was fun because that had yes. like that had some wackiness to it. You yes. know what I mean? This just is going to be a terrible football. Yeah, game. this is just going to be horrible. Yeah, that is not really worth putting uh, any stress to whatsoever. So I mean, look, it's a two. Low total. Cardinals are a teaser candidate, 30, I suppose. 36. Yeah. yeah like, total. I mean, you're getting eight in a 36 right. game. So I, I think uh, that's probably the only, like, betting thing I that I would really put myself through. But, oh, uh, boy. Yeah, this game's going to stink. Oh, brother. Uh, maybe I'll put myself through it. Yeah, so. we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get there when we talk the afternoon games. So let's kick things off here. Indianapolis Colts and the Minnesota Vikings. That's going to be 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Remember, there are three NFL games tomorrow if you had forgotten. We're sitting right now three and a half in favor of the Vikings. 47 and a half is your total in this one. JBT, I know you are a Colts fan, and I am going to kind of see what you think about this one. I went ahead and played the Vikings, and it's actually four here behind us, so I don't know if some some money came in or if they're just a little bit hesitant to, to move it back to three and a half, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I played the Vikings in this one for a couple of different reasons. I think that we figured out kind of what this Vikings team is. If you have a high-powered offense, probably specifically a high-powered passing offense, you you want to you want to fade the Vikings, right? right? Like their secondary can't cover anymore. The it's and honestly the scheme is just absolutely horrible too. Like they make no adjustments whatsoever. They let the teams do whatever they want. Then if you don't have that, I think it's probably a play on team because then you like after they get thumped like they did against the the Lions this past week. I think they're getting a little bit of I think we're getting a little bit of a discount here, maybe a tiny bit of disrespect for what they are kind of as a whole whenever they're playing a team that doesn't have that type of offense that can't really move the ball at will through the air and I kind of think that the Colts fit that mold in this game. So, for me did come in on the Vikings now. The one thing about the Vikings and the one thing that you would point to that would be good about Indianapolis, I think, would be, okay, well, Jonathan Taylor in the run game. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota defense is actually much, much better against the run than they are against the pass. Like, they're not great against the run, but they're out. that would be a strength if you had to, you know, air quote a strength against uh, uh, for this Minnesota defense. So, for me, I thought it was a fairly easy play on the Vikings. Am I just getting – is this just something that I'm completely wrong on here? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I think the thing that would worry you is Jeff Saturday with a week to get ready for a game. I mean, <laughs> Jeff Saturday probably is, a, you know – Burning the midnight oil, uh, really cooking up a game plan. No, I, I, I would agree with you for the most part. I, I guess, you know, you kind of hit on the things that would worry you uh, when it comes to this matchup. And look, the one thing you think, I wonder what skewed, and I always like this about some mm-hmm. of these teams, because you mentioned, like, if you look at, like, the EPA numbers and others, uh, paints a picture of this Vikings defense playing the run pretty well. At the same time, in certain situations, if you're destroying a secondary, there's really no re- need yeah. to kind of test this. And the Lions... In terms of their 464 yards, yes, they had 333 uh, through the air. They also did have 134 on the ground at four and a half per carry. Now, how much of that is because you're opening it up with your passing yep. a game and whatnot? Th- that's a question to be asked. I, I I didn't have anything involved. The Colts are pretty poor. I will say that it's only one game, but they did have at least one game in which they took advantage of a very poor defensive team, True. and that was when they went to Las Vegas here. And they dropped, what, seven yards of play and over 400 yards of offense against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, that team was an absolute light, uh, nightmare. This team, I think, is a little bit more competent. I, I'm with you generally, though. I think the Vikings are good enough here that they should be able to take advantage. And they are poor defensively, but they're poor against good offensive teams, right. not the worst offensive team in the NFL. And, and so I do wonder as well. So Kevin O'Connell, after they get shredded by the Lions, has to yep. answer a bunch of questions, right? He has to answer a bunch of hard questions saying, hey, listen – 
what's going on with this defense? Are you gonna t- are you gonna make someone else start calling defensive plays, the scheme, and things like that? And while he gave the defensive coordinator a vote of confidence, you know, though, behind the scenes, it's kind of like, hey, man, we gotta like something's gotta change. Right. Like we gotta we gotta figure something out here. We cannot allow these guys to just. And if you've watched any of these Minnesota games, I'm sure if you bet on them, you've been screaming at the television with me and throwing your remote and maybe smashing, there, yeah, smashing a laptop because they go into this soft zone. Like, they go into this super soft the defense. The Jets game where they were just like, it's still a one-score game, yeah, guys. Like they go into this <laughs> super soft like yep. zone. And, like, you're going, what are you doing? Yep. Like, why, why are you allowing them to get eight yards a chunk every single time? Like, what are you doing? Yep. Why is this happening? And so I would like to think that O'Connell – would be able to sit down with the defensive guys and say, hey, guys, listen, I, I understand I'm not my place really. I'm an offensive guy. Something's got to change here. Like, like we, We've got to do something completely different and figure out why we are letting these guys continue to, to march up and down the field on us. So I, may, I am interested to at least see against the Colts offense, like we just said, that at times has shown out, but not really on a consistent basis. If the Colts are able – to move the ball up and down the field on this Vikings team, then they are in for a world of hurt, and they will be a fade team, certainly once we get to the playoffs, like almost maybe against any of these teams that we're looking at that, that might get in on the NFC side. And I do wonder, one of the things, that like the, the total is kind of high for me here mm-hmm. when we're talking about 47 and a half. I mean, you're just really asking the Colts. The Colts have to hold up their end of the bargain, I think, with a total yeah. like this. Because to give them some credit, like what they do well, they're a top half of the league defense, top 10 if you're looking like overall mm-hmm. EPA per play. Uh, their front seven's relatively solid. Like, th- this is not a terrible Colts defense by any stretch. So I, I, th- I thought 47 and a half, and especially, like, it's not a massive move, but going from 47 and bumping up to 47 and a half, I was somewhat surprised that there was, like, some tepid interest in thing, this thing over. I thought it was kind yeah. of high. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no I'm, I'm with you for sure. I think that that's pretty interesting angle in this game. And, again, remember, tomorrow, three games tomorrow. So if you're in any sort of contests and things and stuff like that as well, like if you want to play any of these games, you got to get those in before these games kick off. Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. This is your second game on Saturday. Two and a half to three in favor of the Browns. A low total here of 38. We get the news that it is going to be Tyler Huntley going for the Ravens. It is not going to be Brown, and that is uh, unfortunate for me. I put in a two and a half on the Browns. I thought that with this new concussion protocol and with it being, I understand, not your traditional short week mm-hmm. on a Thursday, but I mean shorter week, one extra, one, one fewer day to get ready with it being a Saturday game, that it was a at least a 60-40 that they would not clear him in time, and instead they cleared him like well in advance. So yep. I guess there was – I guess he only – like. He scrambled his brain less than everyone else did or something in yeah. this in this whole thing. Yes, and, and that's how this played out. So, I don't hate the ticket. Would I put it in if I knew for sure it was going to be Huntley? I don't know. Probably not. Like, it was it was me kind of gambling early on in the week and, and taking a look at that. I always take notes on a Sunday, see what lines come out at. And mm-hmm. when it came out under a field goal, you know, I, I bet as soon as the line hit, it's pretty much stuck. Uh, it, though there is – there are some threes out there now, so it has kind of moved a little bit towards – the Browns here. I mean, I guess my question to you is, 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 is Deshaun Watson, is his play, do you expect it to get any better throughout the course of this season? Or do you think that it might take this guy a while? Cause I mean, hell, he didn't play for two years. Yeah. I mean, it could, yeah. I, I would certainly think that there's a, there's a possibility that that's going to be the case. And look, the, the Ravens are not their usual dominant selves either mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the way that they're playing defensively. Uh, much of their strength is up front against the run. So I guess maybe the the argument you're painting or the picture you're painting is Ravens make them pretty one-dimensional and Deshaun Watson continues to struggle because they kind of know what's happening here. Um, but no, I think there's probably some gradual progression. And the other part, Matt, that I think is, is somewhat important is 
even though the season's lost for the Browns, they want to see that progression. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to continue to approach these games like they are, you know, essentially must-win contests, even though it seems that they are well out of this. So that's, I think, going to help them in that regard. Uh, look, I didn't really have a great feel for this game at all. I will say that this Browns defense and how poor this has been, you know, the 37 and a half, I kind of get it to a certain extent of why this total is so low. I could see a scenario in which Tyler Huntley actually has a relatively decent offensive game. Andrews, you mm-hmm. know, kind of breaks out a little bit and you actually get more of a little bit of a back and forth affair between these two um, that at least gets you over 37 and a half. Uh, but from a side perspective, I've been so distant, like uh, just so out on Baltimore and the inconsistency offensively that I have, uh, I have kind of rid myself, washed my hands of playing Baltimore in any face, way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's one of those games, too, where there might be a tiny bit of weather concern. I don't think it's going to be as bad as we expected. This is why we also say, like, you know, beginning of the week, I wanted to put the games on your radar, mm-hmm. but it changes throughout the course of the week. It doesn't look like the wind's going to be as bad, and this is as, as it looked as, at the beginning. It's going to be cold, but cold we're not all that worried about when it comes to to everything so i between think that, two teams are gonna run it more often yeah, anyway like yeah it's uh it's it's one of those things where i think that though they didn't mention they want more downfield passing from deshaun watson in this game so we'll nice. see if that happens to play out well, whenever they said uh, it, it's gonna happen when, whenever they take the field we'll talk the uh dolphins bills and falcons and Saints. but first mike pritchard joins us in the studio This is VSIN's Final Countdown with Stormy Bonatoni and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. College bowl season is kicked off, and VSIN has you covered with this year's college football bowl guide. See what I did there on the fly, changing the read on the fly right there. Yep, this year's guide picks on spread and total of every bowl game from VSIN experts and Brent Musburger, the living legend himself. Steve Mackin has power ratings for every team and breaks down the motivational factors that affect bowl games. Josh Applebaum will give you his insights into bowl betting strategy, and Adam Burke, if you're in any of the confidence pools out there, he'll help you out as well. Head over to VSIN.com slash subscribe to get a hold of the betting guy the only way you can do that is to become a vsin pro subscriber that's vsin.com vsin.com slash subscribe speaking of living legends sitting right here on the desk with us mike pritchard thank you for joining us in studio my man thanks for having me great to be with you guys today so we are uh bowl season has kicked off yes in fact and you know we're getting things going here how did you look at all of this? Because I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. Guys, I wanted to sit down here, and I wanted to have a great conversation with you about the games that are happening tomorrow. And then I looked at the first game, and I saw that there were 14 guys in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Both head coaches were gone, and then both the interim coaches were hired by other teams. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm not doing this. Like, I'm, yeah. like, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. How, how did you? How are you treating all of I mean, it's so different now, Matt. Uh, you know, even when I did play, uh, we played in the Freedom Bowl my mm-hmm. sophomore year, and that was in L.A., uh, in Anaheim, we were playing BYU. Uh, but we were going to Magic Mountain. We were going to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were having a blast, right? right? And uh, and then we got the Bolexes, you know, all the <laughs> gifts and all that, all the swag. Uh, but most importantly, it was it's about having fun. It was It's a reward at the end of the year. Nowadays, guys are trying to get to the league. They're trying to improve their situation mm-hmm. as players. They're going to transfer. So as a better, I don't know how people can bet mm-hmm. on a bowl game these days, especially especially the games outside of the playoff. I, I, that's another reason why we're going to get the expansion of the college football mm-hmm. playoff. We, college football needs to yeah, because the bowl games are becoming more and more irrelevant. Well, you got to prepare. I mean, when you're looking at it from that perspective, it's just all about information, right? It's preseason football. Well, it's about yeah. getting ahead of the information, grabbing the best line before it moves. They, like That's what bowl season is now at this mm-hmm. point. 
Yeah, I mean, it really is. But then what kind of information are you going to get from, you know, a guy who hasn't played all year and all of a sudden he's going to play because of transfer portals? And um, I, I guess the, the coaches can get the players ready. I, you know, you look at the scheme, you can look at systems and, uh, and things of that nature. Um, uh, the wrinkles that are going to be put into a bowl game game plan, you know, trick plays and stuff like that. But uh, I, to me, it's tough when the books put out a number. And then you're going to try to find information to compete against that number. I, I think that gets tough. Well, it's about getting ahead of it, I should say, too, yeah. right? Like, so, like, I took a risk, Matt. Like, mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this before. See, I'll make sure what the uh, the number is right mm-hmm. now. Uh, and it's a risk that didn't pay off. Yep. I, I took Kansas State plus three, mm-hmm. right? And this is one of those things. I was like, Bryce Young, all these guys are not going to say, we're up to, like, six and a half right now. Like this <laughs> thing. So, you know, it's about taking some risks. And sometimes yeah. those do pay mm-hmm. off. You know, last yeah. year there were quite a few. You know, I got a text for I, – I think it was a Western Michigan game. Mm-hmm. I got a text from Matt Eumanns. Yeah. And it was like, hey, like, five guys aren't going to play. And I was like, cool. I'll grab, <laughs> I'll grab five. Yeah. And what happened, Western Michigan actually ended up laying, like, six in yeah. that game. So, But can the audience right. get that kind of information right. that quickly? It, uh, sometimes <laughs> it, it's, it helps be on Twitter and all yeah, that stuff. But you're absolutely true. right. Yeah. By the way, that Las Vegas Bowl that we talked about yesterday, mm-hmm. that was ten and a half. It's now eight and a half. So, mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just wackiness going on. All right, so last night we watched uh, Brock Purdy go yep. out, and they, they win another game. And, you know, not necessarily for anything he did. He was efficient. He was fine. You know, he did what he needed. Oh, he's the to, best quarterback to, ever. What he are you needed, about? needed to do what he needed to do. This was a Seahawks team that was certainly on the decline and, and was – playing over their head at the beginning of the season, and I think that some of the stuff they were doing, I mean, you you well know, I think some of these defensive coordinators just kind of figured things out, right. and it just got kind of, you know, look, it's it's Geno Smith. There's a reason he's been a journeyman and, and, and things like that, and I'm sure he had some tendencies that these guys figured out as well, but uh, 49ers with Brock Purdy, what do you what do you think the ceiling is for this team? Because they are 10-4, and four, they've right. secured this, they're going to the playoffs. I mean, is this a legit contender in your eyes, or is it kind of like, oh, it's a fine story, but... When it comes down to it, they're not really. Yeah, you know what, Matt, in our NFL pro betting, uh, pro football betting guide, mm-hmm. I had the 49ers going mm-hmm. to the Super Bowl, uh, and that was with Trey Lance. Yeah. And the reason why was because of this defense. I thought the 49ers' defense would be solid enough, good enough uh, to help Trey Lance in that situation and then propel them to a Super Bowl. And it's turning out that way. They're allowing 15 points a game. Historically, if you go over the National Football League in which prominent defenses led the way, like the 85 Chicago Bears, you know, you got the 2000 Ravens and you got the Broncos mm. uh, in 2015. Right now, this defense is ranked ahead of the Broncos in 2015 in terms of points allowed. Uh, Broncos were allowing about 18 points a game when they won Super Bowl 50. Uh, the, the Ravens were sick with it because they were only allowing like 10 points a game uh, back in 2000. And then the Bears, I, I think back in the day, a little over 10 points a game. So oh, they're scoring 20 points a game back then. though. Well, that's true. I mean, football's different, but no, it's not though, because right. everybody's running the ball again. Yep. So even though we think football's different, it really hasn't changed that much in terms of the cycle of it. Uh, and, and I think the 49ers are taking advantage of that. Brock Purdy doesn't have to be special. He doesn't have to be elite uh, because the quarterbacks today, you know, as long as you're running the football and you're highly efficient offensively, you don't necessarily have to go out there and win the games. There's only a couple of those guys in the league right now anyway uh, in position uh, for the playoffs. So I, I got them going to the Super Bowl, and I'm going to stand by that because of the complete roster uh, and Kyle Shanahan, the head coach. All right, let's go to a, an interesting dynamic. Uh, so Zach Wilson has to start yep. for the New York Jets. Right. And uh, we see the market downgrades New York because of it, I think rightfully so, given the way that he's played. So there's the quarterback play aspect of it, and then there's kind of just like the – 
immature or somewhat petulant child aspect of it, right? Which is kind of like this weird dynamic in the yeah. locker room with Wilson. What do you make of this spot now here for the Jets? Well, I liked the Lions before. I teased them up uh, before. But now they're a favorite here. Uh, but the Jets situation was interesting because uh, with Mike White and the injury that he had, uh, I knew that they were going to get Zach Wilson ready because, I mean, Flacco was just mom's spaghetti, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, that guy, awful, <laughs> for one play, he Dude, looked awful. <laughs> for one play. So I, I knew they were going to get Zach Wilson ready. So understanding that, and Coach Salah talked about Zach being in the right headspace. Uh, and that's code for, okay, we humbled him, we benched him, he gets it now. The guy is very, very talented. Now, this is a big game, and, and so for him to win back his job, he's got to have that type of performance in this game. So – uh, you know, I, I thought at Pickham you could tease it up either way. That's how I was looking at this football game. All right, Pitch, we've got four or five games this week. And I know we've asked you this before, but, hey, new audience, I want to bring it back up. We've got four or five games this week that's going to be played in just bitter cold, right? right I mean, right. like, so uh, us has never done it. Like, uh-huh. it, like does it change – does the game plan – you guys are sitting in the team meeting. Do, does it change fundamentally what's what the playbook may or may not have in it? What is it like being out on the field when it is, you know, I mean, it's sub-freezing in about yeah. four, four of these games. And, of course, the one in, in Lambeau is going to be like 12 degrees. I right. mean, that's just a, absurd. Are we getting still a full playbook? What is it like trying to catch the football? What is, you know, what is the quarterback telling you on the sideline about trying to throw it? Things like that. Right. You know, it, it changes a little bit, but it changes, Matt, uh, more mentally than anything. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you want to prepare and you want to try to stay warm, but it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. In other words, you just got to suck it up and go through it for 60 minutes. And uh, I think the teams that have that type of mindset that are tough-minded that way, uh, they don't let the weather bother them. Obviously, wind and conditions like that, you can't do anything about that. But the cold, yeah, you can put gloves on. You got the heaters on the sideline. The quarterback's got the hot patch, uh, patches uh, mm-hmm. in, their, in their sleeves and their warmers. Uh, so uh, it's just a matter of uh, inconvenience, and I think mm-hmm. you just got to block it out. So to me, it's about teams that can execute like, if you see teams that are, are top-notch and they can execute, the weather really doesn't matter that way. The footing, things like that uh, can can be difficult at times. But uh, if you're good enough, you'll overcome all that. I, the reason I ask is just is specifically Miami versus Buffalo, right, right? Right, So it's this it's this deal of, like, you know, going to be 20 degrees or, some, yeah. you know, tons of snow at least the day before, all the things like that. We know Miami is so dependent on these explosive plays mm-hmm. and – you know, these 40 and 50 yard bombs to Tyreek Hill and all, is that still all in the playbook? Like in you, when you guys are meeting, like that's still all there. As long as there's not a lot of wind, mm-hmm. you know, the cold conditions shouldn't affect throwing the mm-hmm. ball vertically down the field that way. I mean, just catch it, right? The ball will be a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say this playing in Atlanta uh, and I played in Buffalo several times. And as a warm weather team, we were in a dome that was uncomfortable. And we did mm-hmm. play them in December. Uh, mm-hmm. It was uncomfortable. The, the ground was frozen. Uh, it was just foreign. It's foreign yeah. to you. Uh, so Miami's going to have to adjust to that. You know, if you're interested in this game, I would take a peek in game uh, to see how Miami is adjusting to that. Uh, I've teased the Bills down. I actually had the Bills and the Seahawks on a teaser card, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. halfway there. Uh, I tease the Bills down uh, thinking that uh, they're just playing uh, pretty good football, pretty solid football. But, no, I, I think from an in-game standpoint, yeah, look and see how the Dolphins are dealing with all the elements out there. 30 seconds. Are we yes. going to see a better Deshaun Watson this week or no? Yes. Yeah, he's too good to not proceed and not – I think he's good enough to where he can accelerate um, his 
introduction back to the National Football League, if you will, because, you know, before he left, the guy was a top five quarterback. And so each and every week he's going to accelerate that whole process. You can find him right here on the network pro football blitz on the weekend. You can find him on the Twitter machine at M.I. Pritchard as well. And as we have done on several occasions, you can go back on YouTube and find some highlights and things like that. It's always fun to go back and look at those things. We found some stuff that uh, Mike has told us about as well. So you definitely want to do that as well. Pritch, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks a lot for having me. Appreciate you guys. When we come back, like I said, going to talk that Dolphins-Bills game in detail. Falcons-Saints, a little Eagles-Bears as well. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is VSIN's Final Countdown with Stormy Bonatoni and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. This segment of VSIN Final Countdown presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches, surprisingly simple way to enjoy nicotine. Look, most nicotine products are either too complicated, don't provide the satisfaction you're looking for, but hey, Zen might surprise you. Six simple ingredients, completely tobacco leaf free, and up to one hour of satisfaction per pouch. Zen online or at um, any of the stores near you, ZYN.com. Today, warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. We just talked about this game, JVT. I want to uh, roll right into it here. The Dolphins and the Bills. Right now, the Bills are seven-point home favorites. 44, 44 and a half is your total. Now, I often tell people whenever we try to talk about injuries, I've never gone to one minute of medical school. Never, not one time. That's right. I've also never studied meteorology for even one minute. So all I can do is regurgitate Mm -hmm. what I read in all this. And it is supposed to be bitterly cold. There's going to be a lot of snow at least least tonight and into the morning. Whether that continues into the evening, we we don't really know. Uh, Not horrible from a wind standpoint, but there might be that, like, wintry slush stuff kind of going on there. Lake you know, effect well. snow warning. Yes, is going on there. Uh, we know Tua doesn't think it's a big deal. He says it's just a mindset. So uh, no, no big deal for him. So the, the, the Hawaii kid. Right. <laughs> yeah, the Hawaii kid said no big deal. Not, not going to be a big deal for that. Uh, look, I love the Bills in a teaser leg. I, you know, I'll just go ahead and reveal the, the cards here for me. It's getting this down to where they just have to win. Right. This team, whether you want to – whether you're going to believe that it is going to drastically affect the offense for the Dolphins or not, I do believe it will affect at least somewhat the Dolphins in this game. Also, Jalen Waddle's not been completely healthy. And with that, that has the offense you can tell too over the last few weeks has changed as well. The, effic- the efficiency has gone down because, listen, if you have two stud wide receivers out there, it's going to be much, much easier to move the ball, obviously, than if you only have one and a half. So uh, that has kind of been what we're seeing here from this Dolphin squad. The Bills just kind of continue on being the Bills, in my opinion. I don't know if I want to lay the full touchdown, but man, getting this thing down to a point in a teaser leg, I love it. Probably my favorite one of the week. And, uh, that's uh, going to be an anchor for a couple for me. Yes, it is for me mm. as well. And uh, look, the other part of this outside of the weather that should be spoken about here is the fact that I, I hesitate to use the phrase. So I'll just say some teams have had some success that has been very similar mm. against the Miami mm-hmm. Dolphins over the last couple of weeks. In other words, the Dolphins defensively have been facing the same or offensively have been facing the same defensive game plans for a few weeks now, and they've had a lot of trouble with it. Mm-hmm. And 
We don't know if really if it's so much like we were just talking to Pritch off the air. It's Tua kind of forcing a lot of stuff in the middle, even though teams are taking that away and not really trusting his arm outside. Whatever it is, the Bills are going to try to replicate that yet again here against Miami, and it's about the the Dolphins being able to adjust, and I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. Tua has not really shown that he has the ability to really mm-hmm. do that at this point because part of the adjustment is throwing outside of the hashes more. Yep. And he, that's not really his best, uh, his strength in terms of a thrower. And on top of that, in the cold, I would say that probably gets cut a little bit, whether whatever percentage you want to say. So I'm with you. I, I think that in that regard, the Dolphins offensively look like they're in a tough spot, whether it's weather, whether it's game plan. And the other side we should talk about too is this Dolphins defense is not overtly impressive. Like, right. Like that's the other thing that I think they're going to have a little bit of trouble here with Josh Allen and his offense. Yeah. And, and I also think from a Buffalo standpoint, I think there are – there are reasons where you could look at the Buffalo defense and try and po- poke some holes. That being said, mm-hmm. this is probably outside of, of course, the 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 massive loss of Von Miller. This is going to be the this is going to be the healthiest that we have seen this Bills defense in quite a while. I think that with those guys out there against a a Miami team that maybe maybe not again. We were talking to Pritch off Maybe maybe not. These teams have also figured out some of the stuff that is going on. Like we we got to remember. We talk about this a, a lot, but it's. As we get to week 15, we've got to remember, McDaniel comes in, new head coach, nobody knows his tendencies, nobody knows how he wants to call a game, he has uh, some new weapons, all these different things like that. Well, you know, look, now we have 14 weeks of tape, and people start to identify different little things that you do. What are your tendencies in this in this down and distance? What do you do at this part in the game? And things like that. They're very, very smart about all this, and I think that there's probably a little bit of that catching up to them as well. Right, and they also have plenty of film on Tua. So, like, those mm-hmm. two things kind of coming together here – kind of understand it and 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 look to him going into Buffalo too has not really had the best it's a short history yeah. but he hasn't had the best history either so no I'm with, like again I I would echo everything you're saying in terms of laying a full seven not really there but using this mm-hmm. as a leg on multiple teasers and other legs uh, I think that this is very much a candidate for I think a lot of people out there Atlanta Falcons and the New Orleans Saints. The Saints are three and a half to four point home favorites here over the Atlanta Falcons. The big news in this one, of course, is that they, the Atlanta Falcons have decided to go with Desmond Ritter. He is going to make his first NFL start in this one against the Saints. Now, this is the Falcons coming off of a bye, so he has had two weeks to prepare for this start. So, unlike a, hey, we're just going to move on, you know, because of an injury or something, he has had two weeks to prepare for the Saints. Saints and Andy Dalton uh, are going to roll out there with not a ton to play for. I guess you could say, in theory, they are still alive in this division, mm-hmm. but uh, n- not a ton to play for for them. And again, it's a it's a team that's devoid of, of, of talent at a lot of the positions here. A lot of more question yet again with this team. I mean, there's just a lot to, to kind of poke holes with the Saints as well. That said, they do find themselves as four-point home favorites. I would... If I had to play this and I might in a contest, I would probably lean towards the Falcon side of things. Even like right. Ritter can't be that much worse than what we get. Oh, I'd say there's no difference, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, in Mariota. But uh, it hasn't made my account yet, but that's not to say that I, I might not have at least a small piece of the Falcons. Yeah, so, I agree. Like, yeah. I think Ritter is the intriguing factor mm-hmm. here because, like we're talking about, I don't think there's a downgrade when it comes to him and Marcus Mariota, right? Yeah. The difference. And I think there's argument for a younger guy who has some similar athleticism, maybe a more live arm, is going to be a little bit more tight in terms of his decision making. Uh, that they, that you know, maybe it's a small upgrade at the very least for the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm really interested. I think the thing that would turn you off is like 
Against the run, the Saints have been pretty strong for the most part this season. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that just gets bottled up, and then you're talking about a rookie quarterback in his first start trying to do something against this uh, New Orleans Saints secondary, although it is kind of beat up. But Ritter's kind of an intriguing aspect for me here. I, I think it kind of raises the floor a little bit. Uh, listen, I know it's been kind of out of sight, out of mind, and you know, I do an incredible amount of draft prep every year, right? And so there were some pretty respected mock drafts out there. There were some pretty respected guys that I look at in the industry who had saying some teams were at least mildly intrigued with Ritter kind of slipping in, maybe like at mm -hmm. the very bottom of the first round, if not like very early day two in the second round or so. So like he had at least some intrigue heading into this draft as maybe a dude that could be a quarterback of, of the future for a team, right? And so I know, again, we hadn't seen him play in a long time since the preseason and, and all that, but I think it's, it's one of those deals where it's not like we're going to Sam Ellinger, right? right you know what right. I'm saying? Like we're going to a dude that's actually – was pretty highly regarded. It wasn't he wasn't a throwaway like Ellinger. Like this was guy was pretty highly regarded heading into the draft last year. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. So, and I just when you're talking about New Orleans as well, they've been so inconsistent offensively themselves. Where even against this Atlanta Falcons defense, like we've seen them at times, mm -hmm. like it, this was much earlier in the year, but against some bad offenses like Tampa Bay, they have gone in there and done what they need to do against some of these lesser uh, units. And New Orleans is one of them. They have been yeah. very poor on third downs, they've been very poor in terms of scoring. And this is something where even if you're taking the four, it's not even so much about the Falcons offense scoring enough. It's is at least New Orleans going to be able yeah. to do enough on their end. So Eagles and the Bears sitting at eight and a half or nine. By the way, this is eight and a half at DraftKings right now. The Eagles are now in teaser leg territory. I would throw that into account real quick. And I would yep. I mean, and if I'm gonna go look in, at books around town and see if somebody's hit eight and a half, because I would love to get them in a teaser leg with the Bills as well. Forty eight and a half is your total. Bears we, I mean, we kinda know the like I said, we we've got blueprints on some of the a lot of these teams already. And like the Bears Figured out a way to score some points here, utilizing Justin Fields for what he is as an athlete, but the defense is absolutely atrocious. It seems like it's a dead-over team. The Eagles, an absolute truck. I don't know who's coming in to back the Bears in this thing. I mean, I, I, I guess maybe because it, may, it was made officially official that Fields is going to go, that right. maybe that that's why this thing is moving. The Eagles are a truck right now, man. Like, I don't see any weaknesses in this squad, especially now that Davis is back on the defensive line and and they're rotating in Joseph and Sue. Like, it's, it's, it's been a pretty good run defense as well. So, I... My only my only thing here was if I can find eight and a half, I will certainly pair that up with the with the Bills from a teaser leg standpoint. Uh, if you told if someone told me they wanted to play the over, I wouldn't talk about it. Right. So that was where yeah. I was going to go. Is you tell me why this game is not like thirty seven thirty, right, or yeah. something like that? Because like as we have seen now, this is a team that has hit seven consecutive overs for the Chicago Bears. Uh, much of that has been Justin Fields the way that he's playing, and the other part is a defense that sold off its best two players, has his other best player injured, and has just been absolutely terrible. Uh, and I just I wonder when you're looking at it from that regard, any Eagles team, which we know that if we're calling it a weakness, right, yeah. it has been against some stronger yeah. running games. Why would this not be a shooter? And the weather doesn't really yeah. have anything in it that would alter yep. this kind of scoring pace. So that that was my thing. Or the other part, Matt, is like team total, attacking it from that perspective. Yeah. Eagles over or a Bears over, something like that. I think that's the way you're looking at this. But it seems chalky, if you will. But we've seen nothing from Chicago that would make you think otherwise. Yeah. And look, this, this Eagles team, like I said, they're bullies, man. They get up and they yep. just they're, they are absolute Bullish. We're talking to Mike Pritchard here about the weather and things like that. And one of the things that I want to bring up the pro tip for this hour where he was saying, hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, it's you don't have to bet this thing pre-game. You can kind of go in and take a look and see 
if this if you are concerned at all about the weather, you can watch 10 minutes of the game and see, right. you know, is the, is the weather affecting anything? Are the offenses functioning normally? And then you can make your bet in game. So just something to always remember if you are worried about some of these weather games. In hour number two, we're going to talk Lions, Jets, Steelers, Panthers, Cowboys, Jags, Chiefs, Texans, and more. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 